Welcome to Radar Contact by Fox ATM, the podcast for the air traffic management community, bringing global ATM on your radar. You're identified. Welcome to another episode of Radar Contact. My name is Yulia. I am a partner and the managing director of Fox ATM Baltics. I'm an ATM consultant within the Fox ATM team, and today I will be hosting this episode. The guest for today is Kate Bishara. She's the head of inclusion and diversity at Skyguide. Kate, welcome to the episode and please tell us about yourself and your work. Thank you, Julia. Um, thank you for inviting me. It is really a great honor to be able to participate in uh, this podcast. So indeed, as you mentioned, I am head of inclusion and diversity and also leading a project on air traffic controller abilities, skills and competencies for the future. I'm doing this within the Swiss Air Navigation Service provider Skyguide. Um, previously, I spent eight years being the FabEx Social Dialogue Manager, uh, where I was uh, dealing with uh, the liaison between uh, top managers within FABEC and the trade unions. I'm a holder of a master's degree in social and educational sciences and a no longer valid air traffic controller, but I do hold the license. And obviously, I'm also continuing courses at university on all these topics, um, particularly in social sciences, inclusion and diversity. And I really firmly believe that inclusion, equity and diversity are fundamental to ensure sustainability in the industry and even outside. Okay, thank you. That's a very nice introduction and a very nice background of yours. Uh, today we are talking about a very important topic. It's psychological safety. Can you please describe to our listeners to our listeners what that is and why we actually need that? Yes, so I like starting with the why. Psychological safety to me is an enabler to making better decisions. Um, and there is a clear link to safety as we know it. Uh, in aviation, we are very familiar with the concept of just culture, which applies to the front end operator, to the air traffic controllers, to the pilots. And I argue that it should be applicable to everybody, to all staff that need it. An example would be um, there was a hospital that was built up in uh, Scotland a while back. And uh, there was a mistake in a spreadsheet that was made when they put out the call for tender. Um, it was noticed by one of the organizations, one of the companies that were tendering. They said, I have to put our prices up because you've made this mistake, but at least it'll be safe. The hospital decided not to go along with them. And then in the end, it could have cost lives, uh, it cost quite a few million pounds to set it right once the hospital was built. Now, that gives an example of how a mistake in an office, a seemingly uh, normal mistake of a copy-paste in an Excel spreadsheet, can actually impact safety. And why did that person in the office not put their hand up and say, um, sorry, I made a mistake, maybe we need to review this? So to my mind, it should really be embedded in a, any safety-critical environment. Um, to move on from that, what is it? Uh, well, there are, I would say, two uh, very big people who talk about this, Amy Edmondson and Timothy Clark. Um, in a nutshell, it's feeling safe to take interpersonal risks, um, hence the psychological, uh, feeling part of the team that will support and not ridicule, ridicule or bar you um, and bar your progress if you've said something that may be seemingly silly or and having people listen to you. So one can see it around four pillars, um, an inclusion pillar. And here I come back to inclusion and diversity, because for me, you can't have proper and true inclusion and diversity and equity in a company without actually having psychological safety. Um, 
There's the learner safety, uh, where you can put your hand up and say, I didn't understand and not get uh, told off for it, not get shouted at because you're silly and you don't understand. Uh, one of the examples that I like giving is uh, when my daughter was in uh, high school, she thought that she was really, really bad at maths. She's now really, really good at maths. But at that point in time, her maths teacher just wasn't capable of explaining things. And so she put her hand up and say, I didn't understand. And he would come back and say the same thing louder and slower. It didn't make her feel any better and she didn't learn anything. And that is a counterexample to what learner safety is. Contributor safety would be another pillar, a third pillar, where you feel like you can actively contribute to the discussion. You, you feel again, included, uh, you feel that you're being listened to. So it's speak up and also listen up a culture that needs to be uh, embedded there. And then challenger safety, feeling comfortable to say that you don't agree without having a fear of retribution. And no matter how, how high the person is in the hierarchy compared to you, you can still challenge uh, in, in the right way, obviously, uh, what they're deciding or saying. It doesn't mean that uh, anybody has the full autonomy to do anything, and it doesn't mean that this is some sort of holacracy where everybody is entitled to make decisions. The hierarchy still remains, but you have to be able to say, well, I think that that's a bad thing. It's a bad example. Um, it, it's something that we shouldn't be doing because X, Y, Z. An example of a lack of psychological safety could be uh, the Challenger disaster. Um, back in uh, 1984, I think it was, uh, the uh, there was a decision to launch Challenger, the space shuttle. Uh, the engineers were saying, no, you should not go ahead with it. This could be dangerous. In fact, we're pretty sure it is going to be dangerous. And then they were not listened to. The um, the management decided that because of economic pressures and uh, PR, they had to launch. And we all know that that ended up in a disaster. Here we can see that you definitely need to be able to speak up and be listened to. So another example of uh, a lack of psychological safety would be one that I found um, in the shops here locally. Um, as you know, I'm Swiss and uh, we eat Toblerone here. And I bought a uh, packet of Toblerone uh, with the wrapping. It, it had a competition on it, play to win, scan the QR code. I open the, the packaging and I eat the Toblerone and then I want to play. And I realized that the tab to open the packaging has gone right through the QR code. Now, that meant that I didn't play the, uh, I didn't play to win. I didn't uh, participate in the competition. Imagine how much Toblerone must have lost in data on their clients on their, on the market, because that's why they do competitions. And, uh, all of that probably because somebody either didn't feel comfortable putting their hand up saying, we have a problem with the packaging. And once people have opened the package, they won't be able to scan the QR code and play or possibly they weren't listened to. So, so here is an example of where one loses potential uh, due to probably maybe a lack of psychological safety. I can just imagine if that, if, if that everybody was feeling very comfortable, somebody would have put their hand up and said, we can't go to market with this packaging. So that's an example of uh, a lack of psychological safety and its impact that it can have. So back again to the, to the why. That's a very good explanation. Uh, thank you, Kate, for that. Uh, actually, we might lose some, you're right, we might, we might lose some good ideas or uh, we might uh, have some very crucial mistakes because we are lacking of psychological safety. So 
it's really important to speak up and to be listened to in the company. And uh, the psychological safety and its need at first has to be recognized by the highest manager, the CEO of a company. Is there a way to help them or is uh, there a way to put an effort into the topic and help them put an effort into the topic? Uh, because we know that sometimes it is not obvious that the company is lacking a safe environment. And and that is the difficult question. We've talked about the why and we've talked about the what. Uh, those, I would say, are fairly easy. Um, the how. How do we get this into the company? And indeed, it is a culture change. Um, we need definitely need uh, top, top management, uh, not only support, but drive on this. Um, getting the uh, the CEO, getting the executive board, the C-suite on, on board and uh, fully committed to this. I think that here uh, there is no one size fits all for any company. It is really about how uh, the company functions because each company or organization which will be on a different part of this journey, and it really is a journey. It's a culture change. Um, so obviously, to create a culture change, there needs to be buy-in from the top. And to get buy-in from the top, uh, the question one can ask oneself is, uh, what's in it for me? If I'm in the CEO's shoes, if I'm in, the, in somebody in the C-suite's shoes, why would I want psychological safety? Um, wh- what do I gain out of it? Um, is this not just simply going to cost the company more and, uh, and bring no added value when I really actually need to get on with my day job? And here, there is a conversation to be had, um, and there are plenty of statistics and plenty of surveys and studies that have been done to prove that psychological safety is absolutely necessary, and I would say particularly in a high-reliability, safety-critical environment. Um, I would say another point that is uh, very important and uh, probably also an even more difficult is when you go one or two layers down, depending on how uh, how hierarchical the organization is. Uh, middle management has targets to meet. Uh, they have uh, they, they have their uh, work to be done uh, very often under quite a lot of pressure. Are they going to necessarily take the time out to start thinking about this or is it just an add-on? And can we then have a, a team that does this? And I would argue, no, this, we, we have to have people leading this and we probably have to have a team of people supporting and helping the company uh, in the cultural change. But we can't have people just doing it for the company. A little bit like we have accountants in the company, but they're not the ones that actually create the money in the company. Um, they're the ones that support in the finance department and, and organizing the money, but they don't actually create it. Everybody in the company puts their hand to the task and they are the ones who, who, who actually create the value, the added value of the company. So it's top level commitment and drive and real commitment, not just lip service. So uh, showing that they're putting their money where their mouth is, walking the talk. Um, and then we have another challenge, and very often top management doesn't know. Uh, it's not necessarily visible. Very often one reports up uh, what is comfortable to report up, saying all the good things um, and saying, well, you know, look how look how good we've done, look how well we've performed, uh, which means that there is a layer of invisibility. And this requires also some courage and the, the contributor and the challenger safety, I would say, then in itself to be able to report up and say, well, Maybe we need to rethink these things, or maybe we need to take a closer look at what is really happening within the teams or uh, within the lower levels in the company. 
you answered very nicely about the uh, cultural differences, but what about the generational ones? We have different people in the companies and maybe there are some sort of uh, examples or not rules, but maybe suggestions how to overcome that. Um, well, I think that it's it, it's true um, of any differences or diversity. Generational is obviously a, a big one. Um, and we come back to the inclusion and uh, the inclusion in the diversity of the company, uh, getting people uh, to feel that they can contribute and be part of it. Uh, again, there's no one size that fits all. Um, general, generational differences, cultural differences, seeing things in a different manner. Um, I think that there's a lot to be done around metrics and data, collecting metrics, knowing where one is today so that we know where we want to go tomorrow, where we want to be. What does good look like and what is the gap? Um, this can also be done through nudges, suggestions. It doesn't always have to be a big bang. Uh, one of the things that I quite enjoy doing, and it's a little bit provocative, is when I write a paper, I write it in a feminine form, um, just to get people to think about things differently. The pilot, she, the, the air traffic controller, she, and it changes people's perception. They suddenly have a different idea or a different image in their mind. And these things can, can help quite a lot. Removing the uh, implicit bias in a certain number of uh, areas in the company. In fact, it should be in all areas, uh, in the recruitment process, in the images we send out. These are all nudges that can really help uh, to widen one's uh, perception of uh, the way things should be going. And then it's education. It's it's a learning journey. It's having the right material. It's creating and and having quite a lot of material to support and help people through this journey of understanding why it's so important and what they can do. One of the mistakes I think that we make is also that we tell people they've got to be inclusive. Uh, we need IND in the company. We need to have psychological safety, but we don't tell them, we don't give them the tools and uh, giving people the tools role modeling, role playing. There are all sorts of means to do that is also very valuable. It does mean that there needs to be a push from the top because people need to have the time to do this. If they're just told to go and do it on a Friday evening or a Saturday morning, chances are they're not going to. So it it requires a whole environment. And most importantly, it's getting the buy-in at all levels and having the conversations. Um, psychological safety can appear disempowering for a certain for, for a certain level of people um particularly with regards to middle management where they've got to let go of a certain number of things they've got to uh, trust quite a lot maybe then they're not in that mindset in in their management style that's also very possible but also they've got to believe that this is going to bring added value even though they can't see the return on investment today uh, it will be there for tomorrow Yes, exactly. Uh, you don't see the return uh, next week or uh, right after. It's for a long term and uh, managers, all sorts of managers, I mean, uh, from all the levels have to recognize that. So thank you for the explanation. That was uh, really interesting to hear. Now, you were just recently introduced as the ambassador of diversity in transport, uh, which is great. And congratulations uh, on that. But also pretty challenging right now for the field was male-dominant male for years. What are your expectations in the field in this area and what results are you planning on achieving? 
Um, yes, it was indeed a great honor um, to be nominated as one of the ambassadors for the Diversity and in Transport Initiative and Platform. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to this challenge. Um, it will be challenging. I'm sure that there's going to be plenty to do. Um, I will be focusing with a group of other ambassadors on the corporate aspects and the organizational aspects of uh, diversity uh, in transport. I'm really, really looking forward to learning, to learning, to looking at best practices, to seeing how things are done outside the aviation world and other transport areas, but also to leveraging on econom economies of scale. Um, at the moment, we tend to try and do things in our own company or by ourselves because we don't know what's out there. And I believe that there are a lot of people with some really great ideas that we can all use together. We can also club together, as it were, to get studies done that would be more specific to the transport industry in, in general, um, seeing different perspectives. So again, here, I think that the diversity, uh, because this is across all transport areas, not just aviation, is going to be very, very interesting. Um, and the results that I would like to see is a an inclusive and diverse industry where uh, there are no there are no less barriers in, in the immediate and then no barriers in the future uh, towards being a transport user, uh, being a passenger in something, but also within the industry, in the organization as being an employee. Um, ensuring this is fundamental to ensuring that there are sufficient professionals um, who have the right qualifications, and this will ensure sustainability of the whole of the transport industry, industry across Europe. We can't afford to... Uh, put barriers in the way of certain underrepresented groups or minorities uh, because we're not even aware of them. And even when we are aware of the issues, uh, we really need to embrace everybody and make sure we get the best talent pool for transport. And I would say for aviation. COVID has taught us that uh, uh, it's not that easy to re-recruit people after they've been laid off maybe and certainly to engage them and keep them when there are other industries that are also very, very interesting and uh, uh, would very much welcome, uh, particularly the millennial, millennials, the uh, Gen Z, uh, the younger generations. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, one of the questions we ask our all guests is, in your opinion, is the future of, what is the future of psychological safety in working environment in five years and to look even further in 50 years from now? Very interesting question. I, I think that five years, we're still going to be on a journey. Um, this is a culture change and culture changes take at least a generation to, to move things forward, if not more. Um, I think it's definitely necessary to start now, get the ball rolling, knowing that in five years we will see progress. Um, I do believe that we will see progress. I see a lot of initiatives at European level, um, at FAB level, particularly in the uh, air traffic air traffic management industry, um, and also uh, within the companies and the organizations uh, that are um, around in, in the aviation world. And this is really, really encouraging because we definitely need it for safety reasons, for innovation reasons, for sustainability reasons. And so five years down the line, we should be better. And yeah, it's important to have metrics to know how much better are we really better? Is there a trend for, is there an upward trend or not? Um, in 50 years time, ideally, we would not look at the attributes of someone that they cannot 
control, you know, whether they're born uh, woman or man or uh, whether they are older or younger, that, that is just an attribute. But we'll be looking at the people for their competence, for their expertise and what they can bring to the industry. And we will uh, be in a fully inclusive environment. That would be my dream. Um, I also firmly believe that the companies and organizations that embrace psychological safety, inclusion, equity, and diversity now are the ones that are going to be thriving. Um, and they they will be moving the, the game forward um, in the coming years. Kate, thank you very much. This was really interesting to listen to. And thank you for participating in this episode. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Julia. It was uh, great to be here. Uh, invited. Uh, thank you again. Looking forward to hearing it. Thank you for listening to Radar Contact. Visit foxatm.com or your favorite podcast platform for more episodes. Feel free to let us know if you or someone you know would like to share a topic with the air traffic management community. Frequency change is approved.